And so right now we're getting ready to jump into the Word of God today, and it's going to be a special treat as we hear from one of our pastors, Pastor Gary Jasmine. I love PG. Um, he's an awesome leader. He's a kingdom leader. He's a man of God. He's a missionary. Uh, him and his wife, Seaham, served on the field in Ghana for several years, and they're back with us for this season, and we love to hear the word from our brother. So come on, wherever you're at, come on, clap for him right now. Give it up. Pastor Gary, preach the word today. We love you. Thank you, Pastor Hyden. About 10 years ago, my wife and I were living in a place called Ketakrachi, a peninsula in the northern Volta region of Ghana, West Africa. And we were working with a local team with an organization against child trafficking and child slavery on Lake Volta, the largest man-made lake in the world, by far the largest lake. And uh, we were also building a children's home and a school. And so at the, at the project, we would have devotion every morning, myself and the other workers. And so we had been talking through the gospel, through the good news, who Jesus is and what he did for us. And so we had a mixed group of people there. A couple people had professed faith in Christ. Uh, some were traditionalists, still uh, in their traditional African religion. And about half of the men were Muslim. And so it was mostly the Muslims who were saying, I believe, I believe in Jesus. So we have been talking about this belief, faith, confidence, trust. Those four words, belief, faith, confidence, and trust are actually synonymous. Each of those words is used to define each of the other words. Faith involves confidence, trust, and belief. Confidence involves trust and belief and faith, uh, so forth. So as we have been discussing this, the men are now acknowledging faith in Jesus. And so we had already used this example several times. We'd say to the men, do I believe in this chair? And they say, yes. And we say, no, I don't believe in the chair yet. And, we, and so I put my weight on the chair. I put some things on the chair, my wallet, my car keys, pictures of my family, things that meant a lot to me. Do I believe in the chair? Their initial response was yes. But no, I don't believe in the chair. According to Jesus, I still didn't believe in the chair. Then I put a little bit on the chair. I said, do I believe in the chair? They said, oh, yes. I said, no, because if you come and pull that chair away, I can still catch myself. You see, it's me and the chair. So the example we gave was, what about now? And they said, yes. I said, you're right. Now I've transferred all of my weight, my confidence, my trust. Now I believe in the chair. And so we talked through, this is what Jesus means when he says, believe. Uh, so the men have already gone to that level and they're saying they believe, but the issue we're talking through now is lordship. I would ask them, so have you accepted Jesus as your Lord? And they would get nervous and they would not say anything because for the Africans in that region, Lord means a lot to them. The, the local chiefs are called Lords, Lord of the land, Lord of the tribe, meaning the owner, the controller, like the God of it, the overseer of it. They would not acknowledge Jesus as Lord. But they said, I believe in him. I have faith in him. So I really wouldn't tell them, no, you don't. But I knew they didn't. So we talked through this issue, this principle. Judas, of all the disciples from the recorded record, never called Jesus Lord. He called him teacher, rabbi, and master. Even on the night he betrayed Jesus, Jesus even said to him, ah, you betray your master with a kiss. He never took Jesus as Lord because Lord is the owner, the overseer of my soul. 
So we're talking through that. So this day, one of the, one of the men, Isaka, the construction foreman, or I should say the mason foreman, he says, I believe in Jesus. And I said, do you? So there was a wheelbarrow on site. I went to the wheelbarrow and I said, Isaka, do you believe in this wheelbarrow? He jumped up. He said, yes, I do. He got in the wheelbarrow. With his, and he picked his feet up and he said, see, he put his whole body in the wheelbarrow. So I went over and picked the wheelbarrow up. He said, mm. and I said, are you sure you believe in the wheelbarrow? He said, yes. I said, do you have faith? Do you have faith in me that I could push you in this wheelbarrow? And he really couldn't answer. He said, mm, mm. so I pushed him up a plank, a two by six plank. Wouldn't meet OSHA standards. But the two by six plank with me and Isaka in the wheelbarrow and the plank is woo, is bending. And we, I push him up the plank, boom, we end on the platform. And his eyes are big like that. And I said, now Isaka, you have faith. You trust, you believe. That very day, we were 12, myself and 12 men on the site. All 12 men put faith in Jesus Christ that day. And God used a wheelbarrow to do it. So... But I will say this, over the months and years after that, some of them shrunk back because of persecution, hardships, various things. Some of them fell into some situations, they lost hope, and they shrunk back from their active faith, their walking in faith journey with God. And that's some of what we're going to talk about today. There was a fireman who was called to a scene and he got to the scene and a man was about to commit suicide. And the fireman began to try to speak to the man and comfort the man, encourage the man. The man could not be comforted. He was hopeless. He even kept saying, there's no hope. There's no hope. The fireman pleaded with him, please just give me a couple of minutes. Let, let me share with you. And then you share with me before the man agreed. So the fireman began to say, Hey, what about your family? children, wife, future, legacy. There's hope. There's hope. The fireman took his two minutes. Then the man now began and said, I lost my wife. I lost my job. I lost my house. My kids disrespect me. On and on the man went explaining this hopeless situation. The fireman came forward with his head down, put his hand in the hand of the other man, and they both jumped. That story is to illustrate this truth that hopelessness is often contagious. Hopelessness has a way of spreading. And many people today have a profound sense of hopelessness, even despair. Christians today are wrestling with hopelessness. We have Christ in us. It is the hope of glory. We are the community of faith, the followers of Jesus Christ, the true children of the living God. And yet many of us are ready to throw in the towel, ready to give up. It's not working. It's not working out for me. I've got unanswered prayer. I, I have all these other things. This is what the writer of Hebrews was addressing in the letter he wrote to the Hebrews. They were discouraged. They were facing persecutions. They were experiencing all kinds of hardships and they were considering throwing in the towel. They were going back to their old ways, their old religions. And that's when the author of Hebrews now begins to unpack an awesome truth in Hebrews 11. But just before we get there, at the end of Hebrews chapter 10, there is a summary of what the author is trying to say, what God was trying to say to those Hebrews. And I believe what he's saying to us right here, right now. Hebrews chapter 10, 
verse 35. Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet in just a little while, the one coming will come and he will not delay. That's Jesus. But my righteous ones, they shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Verse 35 said, persevere as you did before. Don't quit. Keep going. Don't give up. It's worth it. Verse 36 says, you need endurance in order to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising. God always keeps his promises. It is written there that you will receive what's promised after you've done the will of God. You see, some of the promise, the reward, is received right now, in time. And the rest is received in eternity. And it's connected to performing the will of God. God's promise is being fulfilled, and His timing in doing so is intimately connected to our obedience. We're going to talk about that. Israel, the whole nation of Israel, could have been in the promised land with a very short journey. Instead, it took them 40 years. God's promise never changed. But they refused to walk by faith. They refused to do God's will. Verse 37 said, Jesus will come. He will not delay. He will move on our behalf right now as we trust and obey him. Now here's the, here's the kicker. This was verse 38 that we just read. My righteous ones, the ones justified by faith, shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. You see, faith is their normal mode of operation. It's how they roll. It's how they do life in the day to day. Living by faith is a lifestyle. It's not just a concept that we visit occasionally. If we're not living by faith, then we're not yet righteous because the righteous live by it. Faith, whatever faith is, we're going to talk about it. That's what we're going to talk about today. What is faith? What does it look like? How do I experience it? The righteous live by it. The righteous. In Romans 3, chapter 3, we are told no one is righteous, not even one. This word righteous or righteousness it, it, in the Bible, it literally means to have a right standing with God. To be made right with God. To be in right relationship with God. Rightly related to Him and rightly following Him. Walking with Him. That's righteous. That's righteousness. 
It, in Romans 3, it says, now, not like before, now a righteousness, a right standing with God comes from God. It doesn't come from the law, right and wrong and do's and don'ts and keeping commandments. It doesn't come from that. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from my lineage. Now a right standing with God comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ. Then it goes on to say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no difference between any one of us. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. And this is true for everyone who believes, everyone who transfer their trust onto Jesus, no matter who we are. So right now, before we go any farther into God's message for us, into God's word, the question is, have you been made right with God? It is the free gift of God. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's not by our behavior, our good works, so that no one can boast. It is what God did for us. A right standing with God comes from God, from Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for our sin, who ransomed us, as we were reminded last week from Pastor Hyden and the Word, who redeems us back to himself. If you have never acknowledged in your life, I am a sinner and I need a Savior, and I can't save myself. Jesus, save me. Then do that right now. If you have already placed faith in Jesus, you've already been born again, you've already experienced this new life, the old is gone, the new has come, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. But you know you've not been walking by faith. You've not been living a lifestyle of faith. Maybe you've shrunk back in some areas of your life. Then right now, both those who've never placed faith in Jesus, those who've been waffling in their walk of faith with Jesus, I encourage you right now to pray with me. Lord Jesus, save me. I place my faith in you. Jesus, save me. Lord Jesus, Please forgive me for the way I've not been walking in faith. Would you strengthen me? I am like the man you asked, do you believe? And the man confessed, yes, I believe, but please help me with my unbelief. Lord Jesus, we're asking you today to not only forgive us, but to help us with our areas of unbelief, because we do believe. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. If we're not living by faith, then we're not yet righteous. You become a Christian by faith. You can only live the Christian life by faith. Faith means confidence or trust in a person, a thing, or a concept, a truth. Trusting or believing in something very strongly. Confidence is a great word in our contemporary language for faith. When Paul was speaking about faith in Corinthians 3, he says, our confidence is no longer in ourselves. Our confidence is in God. That's faith. Confidence in God. Proverbs 3 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all your ways. He will make your path straight. See, that means exchange my viewpoint for God's viewpoint. Trust in Him. Acknowledge Him. Lean not on my own thinking and feelings. 
confidence, trust. That's faith. Faith means to take God at his word. I believe who he is. I believe what he's done, what he has said, and what he's still yet to do. Faith boiled down to its basic definition, I love this, is real simple. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Now, I don't mean acting like an actor on a stage or playing a role or pretending or fake it till you make it. No, I mean acting in terms of actions, lifestyle. Faith equals acting like God is telling the truth. All right, let's go to Hebrews 11, verse 1. What is faith? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance. Faith involves substance. Faith involves things, stuff, and hope is an expectation about the future. Tony Evans uh, wrote this, to exercise faith is to have confidence about an expectation without visible proof that it will happen. What makes this confidence possible? The trustworthiness of the object of faith. So the question we must answer is this, is God trustworthy? Yes, he is. God is the only one who has never made a mistake. He's always right. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. God is perfect in all his ways. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 says, It is impossible for God to lie. Everything God has ever said is true, and every promise he ever made has already come to pass, and those that haven't are still going to come to pass. God is always right. God is always trustworthy. Tony was about to take a trip on a plane, and, just before, and his wife was going to go with him. And so just before the, they were about to travel, they got a notification that the plane had been changed for logistical reasons, and they were going to pick him up on a single propeller plane. And the wife said, I'm not going. He said, ah, where's your faith? She said, where's your plane? Well, on the day of the flight, they got a notification. Everything got worked out. Two-engine, normal jet was coming to pick him up, to take him to the, to the other state. And the wife said, okay, I'm going. He said, oh, now you got faith. She said, now you got a plane. You see, the size of her faith was directly related to the size of the plane, the substance. The issue is not the size of the faith the issue is the, the substance that the faith is placed in. Jesus himself said, if you have faith as big as a mustard seed, one of the tiniest of all seeds, you could say to a mountain, move, and it'll move. See, it's not how big the faith is, it's how big the substance that the faith is placed in. A lot of faith in the wrong substance, a false god, wrong information, lies, is useless, is powerless, it's even destructive. But a little bit of faith, trust, confidence, belief that actually leads to action, that kind of faith in a great big God is powerful. That's why Jesus said, all you need is a little faith in God. God is the object of our faith. The, su the substance is God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Why is faith so important? 
This is one of our main points. Our, our points today in these scriptures are actually the scriptures themselves. The righteous walk by faith. If we're not walking by faith, then we're not yet righteous. That's what scripture says. Scripture says in Hebrews 11:6, just a few verses farther, without faith, it's impossible to please God. To walk with God and to, to experience God is impossible without faith. Why? Because faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Throughout the rest of chapter 11, this is often called the hall of faith in Scripture. We see this word, by faith, 28 times. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Abel. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. By faith, these holy men of old, these heroes of the faith, they were commended by God. God was pleased with them, and he showed it by pouring his favor on them. He even put it in the scriptures for us that he credited to them as righteousness. He approved of them because they acted on what they believed. You see, that's faith. Acting on what you believe. Not living by faith actually displeases God. If it's impossible to please him without faith, then not living by faith is displeasing. When someone challenges our integrity, we don't like it. When you tell someone something and they say, I don't believe it, I don't believe you, you and I don't like it. In fact, we'll even take offense to it. Why? Because they're challenging our integrity. They're calling us a liar. I don't believe you. Hear that. Challenging our integrity and calling us a liar. See, when we say we believe God, we trust God, we have faith in God, but, and, and we act as if we know better than he does. Oh, I believe God, I trust God, but I wake up in the morning, I go about doing my own thing. Oh, I, I love God, I trust God, I have faith in God, but I'll handle my marriage my way, handle my money my way, handle my church relationship my way, handle my work my way. Why would God answer the prayers of someone who regularly tells him, I don't trust you. I don't think your way is the best. I trust my own thinking and my own feelings more than I trust you. I mean, we may not say that with our words, but actions speak louder than words. It's impossible to please God without faith because when we don't act upon God's character and what he has said, we're actually calling his integrity into question. In the house that we live in right now, we have motion detectors in the mudroom and in the pantry. So every time we walk in the room, pow, the lights come on. Every time we go out of the room, the lights go off. That's kind of how faith works. God said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. When God sees our motion us responding to his word in our actions, he responds to our faith and he moves on our behalf. See, a lot of us will say, I haven't, God's not moving. I haven't seen God move. He's waiting for us to move first. The, see, the power is in the, in the room. The power is at the switch and it's ready to go to the light to give illumination. The power is available, but until motion is detected, the power lies dormant. It's not that God is lying dormant. It's that we are not giving God the opportunity to work in our lives because we're not moving by faith. 
The Quest Study Bible says this, faith means abandoning all trust in our own resources, our own abilities, and our own reasoning, the things that we see. Faith means relying instead on the things we cannot see, God's love, God's promises, His provision, His plan, His concern for us. An inner attitude alone does not define faith. For real faith to be present, action is required. Faith proves itself by obedience to the Lord. Faith toward future things, faith toward invisible things. We had a motorcycle uh, years back, and our first granddaughter loved that motorcycle. It was a red motorcycle. She loves the color red. She used to always say, oh, the motorcycle is pretty. I love the motorcycle. She liked to hear the motorcycle. She liked to touch the motorcycle. She liked to talk about the motorcycle. But every time we said, okay, come on, get on the motorcycle. Oh, no, 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 no. So I said, are you afraid? No, I'm not afraid. Don't you try? I trust you. I said, well, then get on the motorcycle. No. So it took time. So I'm, I'm, my name is Sido. My wife's name is Teta. That's grandpa and grandma in Arabic. So we would say, come on, come ride with Sido and Teta. It'll be fine. You'll have fun. It'll be great. We'll, we'll take care of you. We won't let anything happen. We lived out in the country at the time. So eventually, you know, faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word of Christ. We hear the word of Christ and, and faith wells up in us, confidence builds in us, and then we can now respond to our God. Eventually, she said, okay, I'll go. But she said, Teta, I want you there. So she would sit between us, and she rode. And after a little while, she said, okay, Teta, I'll go with Sido all by myself. And she would death grip on me, you know, just squeezing me. She used to hold me right up here. Boy, and I can just still feel those little fingers, boom, just dug in there. And I'd be telling her, you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. My wife has a good acronym for fine. Frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. I'm fine. Well, eventually, after a few rides, she took her hands off. She put her hands down here, you know, just lightly on the hips, until she was hands-free. Till she'd be, she'd be leaning so far over, I'd say, hey, don't lean so far. She, she gained so much confidence and trust in my integrity that I would not let her fall. So eventually, I'd say, okay, you are now the captain. You're the pilot of this ship. I'm just working in the engine room. You tell me where to go, and I'll turn the levers, and that's where we'll go. She said, okay, Cito, go there. Go there. Okay, Cito, go there. And we left, right, left, right, up, down, back, turn around. We, I was getting disoriented. We'd been riding for an hour and a half. And I said, Lyric, do you know where we are? She said, mm-mm. I said, okay. I said, well, do you know how to get home? She said, she looked, no. And I said, are, are you afraid? She said, no. I said, why not? Hmm. I almost cry every time I think about it. She said, because you know the way. That's faith. She didn't need to know the way. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, Abraham, not even knowing where he was going, went to a place because God told him to go. He went. He didn't know the details. He put feet in action. That's faith. And it pleased God. It honored God. And God blessed him for it. When we are certain that God is in control and we live like he's in control, that's faith. 
The way we see God will determine the size of our faith. If we see a big, powerful, faithful God, our faith will grow to high, great levels. But if we see a smaller, less, less involved God, our faith won't grow at all, or it'll plateau at a low level. Some of you have heard this example before. If I had, we have six grandsons, the oldest being 14, all the way down to four. If I put them all up here with me and I said to you, who has more muscle, me or any one of those? You would all say me. And I would say, no, I don't have more muscles. We actually all have the same amount of muscles. It's about six, uh, 640 muscles. That's how many muscles we have. But mine are bigger because I've carried more load over time. So they've expanded. And I love that, that word, that, that physical picture, because faith is like that. Romans 12, 3 says, we've all been given a measure of faith. And faith, like a muscle, as it's used and exercised, it grows stronger, more vibrant. It expands. Faith is not necessarily the absence of fear. Fear, false evidence appearing real. When my wife and I were called to go to the mission field, 2005, we were initially excited. But over the course of the next couple years of preparation, we vacillated and wrestled through excitement and fear. Getting closer to the mission field, selling everything we had, giving everything away, no house, no car, leaving kids behind, grandchildren behind, ready to go to Africa. If I tell you we had no fear, I would be lying. Like I learned in the Marines, you know, courage is not the absence of fear. It's learning to do the right thing in the face of fear. Now, the more we exercise our faith, the more fear diminishes. But faith is often taking action in spite of fear. As we got closer to the mission field, oh, we faced down some of our greatest fears. But we also experienced God moving in the most powerful ways because we were taking baby steps in faith. Baby steps in faith. Some people would have said to us over the years, oh, you guys have so much faith, could never do what you've done. Your faith is so big. We'd say, no, no, don't say that. For us, we've learned that exercising our faith, operating in the will of God is real simple. It's simply doing the next right thing as God leads. And going out in the mission field, that was our next step at that time. So we would just encourage others, what is your next step that God is calling you from his word or directly through your relationship with him? The promptings he's putting uh, on you in your mind, in your heart, with your life, in your circumstances, in your shortcomings. How is God leading you? What's he telling you? Do it. That's faith in action. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is not just the absence of fear. It will diminish as we operate in faith. But oftentimes, faith is learning to do it afraid. Faith is also not just based on feelings. In fact, it's not based on feelings at all. Feelings change, change and shift based on circumstances and changing information. Feelings are like cargo in the back of my truck. I've been hauling some cargo lately. And, and that cargo will move around depending on turns and twists and hills and potholes and, and so forth. And so the cargo shifts around and it, and it makes the truck. I feel it. But I don't let the cargo control the truck. I control the truck. 
The feelings are like the cargo. They're, they're in there with me. They, they make a difference. They have an impact, but they don't drive the truck. They're just feelings. They're emotions. My faith drives the truck. All right, James chapter 2. James talks about this. Faith and action. In verse 14, he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have action attached to it? Works. A few verses later in verse 17, Faith, if it does not have action, is dead. Verse 18, Show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. He goes on to say, you believe? Oh, that's good. Even demons believe and shudder. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by his actions? You see that faith was active together with his works. And by works, his faith was made complete, mature. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Friends, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's the free gift of God. Faith is demonstrated by your life, not your lips. Not merely through a positive confession. Confession, I mean. Authentic, God-honoring faith is not so much a profession of your mouth, but it's in the direction of your feet. James was not saying that actions or works are a requirement for salvation. No. And he's also not saying that works are more important than belief. What he's saying is that there's two kinds of faith, legitimate faith and illegitimate faith, or complete and mature faith, or faith without works, which is actually Dead faith. No faith at all. Belief is involved in both kinds of faith, legitimate and illegitimate. But legitimate faith, faith goes deeper than just right thinking. It goes on into right living. I would present to you that the opposite of faith is not doubt or fear. The opposite of faith is disobedience. Calling God's in, integrity into question actually calling God a liar. Not believing God enough to act on what He has said. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Right faith leads to right actions. We do not need anything but faith, the right kind of faith, to be saved. We, we covered that earlier today. Our behavior, though, will show what our faith is made of, whether or not it's legitimate. If you want to make concrete, you got to get some cement and some sand, aggregate and water, and you got to mix it together. And then it'll harden and you'll get concrete. It'll be, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith has substance. It's like, it's like God, the cement. His word is the water. And when we now take it and put it into action, we mix it and it becomes concrete in our lives. We give God permission to go into action in our lives. For many of us, faith has not yet moved from our head to our heart and down to our feet. You know, our actions, our behaviors. What did we hear today? We heard a lot. 
The righteous will live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Authentic faith. Authentically living faith that brings glory to God, honors God, actually makes God look good in our lives is walking by faith. That means it's a lifestyle of faith. It's walking by faith, not just talking by faith, feeling by faith, just uh, singing about faith. It has to be lived out. Hmm. Dr. Tony says it like this. I love this. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God says so. One more time. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God says so. Faith without accompanied action is no faith at all. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The righteous roll by faith is how the righteous live. And what is righteous? To be made right with God. Righteousness with God comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ. There's first time faith. Remember we showed you the chair, the wheelbarrow, placing my trust, putting my full weight in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Jesus saved me and I'm saved by faith. Faith was now birthed in my life. Now I begin a journey of faith. I begin a journey of walking with God and pleasing God, honoring God, being used by God, experiencing God. God bless you. I pray that you have heard from the Word of God today. It's also written in the book of Hebrews. Today, if you have heard His voice, do not harden your hearts like our forefathers did in the desert open yourself up here with your inner ear, not just your outer ear. Like Jesus often said, he who has ears, let him hear. Hear with your spirit. Hear with your full being. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Pastor Hyden, thank you so much. We love you. Thank you, Walk Church. We love you.